very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of Growing Dentist podcast show. This is Naren, your host. And today I'm super excited to have Jen, Jen Butler, the founder of JB Partners. Her website is jenbutlerpartners.com. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. It's great to be talking to you today. Thank you, Jen, for taking the time. And um, for those of us who haven't met you just yet, can you tell us your story and how you got into dentistry? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, about 10 years ago, I was recruited by a very large uh, DSO, a, a very large corporate um, dental company, to be an internal practice management consultant and professional development coach for the Southwest region. So it included a few states. And in working with this organization for a few years, it was really evident that, uh, that I connected very well with the doctors and the team, especially around helping them uh, work through stress and dread and a lot of the emotional stuff um, that goes on with doctors. And after about two years, I decided to explore more of that avenue with doctors, with dentists, and start working around the area of stress management and leadership um, in the dental industry and working specifically with dentists on, you know, just how they, how they dread um, dentistry and how can they go from dread to uh, passion again, having passion for dentistry. So I've been uh, working with dentists privately for about eight years now with my own company, JB Partners. Perfect. Jen, I want to kind of dive right in because, you know, the listeners are looking for knowledge and, you know, what we call nuggets of information and wisdom. Um, I, I want to ask you, um, um, you know, I asked you before we got started, what do you feel you are the best in the world at? And, and we talked mm -hmm. about a few things. And the first thing you said is helping dentists deal with the dread of dentistry. So can you mm -hmm. start by describing what you mean by dread of dentistry? Like, what do you hear from dentists? Uh, what do they mean? Where is it coming from? And then maybe we'll jump into how do you go about helping them with the dread of dentistry? That's a great question. So thanks for starting with that. Dread, uh, I talk to dentists every day. And the word dread is the number one descriptor or emotion that dentists use with me on how they feel about dentistry. Uh, whether it's they dread going into the office or they dread seeing the next patient, they dread um, doing a particular sort of treatment, they dread um, 
working with the staff that they have. It, it's, it's a way in which dentists have described to me their, that they've lost what they originally went into dentistry for. And so it's not, when I, when I say dread, it's, it's the word that dentists use themselves to describe how they feel. And what I work with them around is how can they go from dread and find that passion again? Um, and it's, it's not an easy process. It's, there's no magic pill. Uh, I, I often get asked uh, on a regular basis whether I'm speaking and people are talking to me about, you know, at, at speaking engagements or I get emails or, or whatever about, well, what's the 10-step plan where I can, you know, go from dread to this passion? And um, it's, it's not that easy. You know, every dentist has their own journey to take. They have their own stress triggers. They have their own story to process. And so what I'm really good at and what JV Partners focuses on is helping dentists identify what they dread, why they dread it, and to come up with a unique plan to overcome that dread. How to, it's the how, we're the how people. How do you find that passion? How do you take your next steps? And and quite frankly, what is your first step to overcome these dreads? You know, that's a great um, lead into my next question. You gave me the question, which is, um, what causes dread? Why and how to overcome it? And then, of course, taking that first step. Can we kind of talk in terms of examples? So can you tell me a story about, you don't have to give me exact names or anything, but just a typical story you hear and, and kind of how did the conversation start and let's kind of start peeling the onions um, so somebody can relate to it, you know, listening to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So I work with dentists. I've got many examples, but I do work with dentists that have recently graduated where they're either an associate or even started their, their own private practice all the way to dentists who have been doing this for 35 years and are transitioning into retirement. And Shall we pick a, pick a young dentist first? Sure. Yeah, let's start there. So with a young dentist, oftentimes where the dread comes in is uh, the fear and that they don't have the knowledge or the experiences to be successful. It's, they, they dread going into work and facing a situation where they don't know what to do. See, dentists are trained to know what to do and fix things, to fix people, to fix teeth, they're fixer people. And so with a young dentist just starting out, there's no preparation for real-life dentistry, and especially those dentists who start their own practices. 
And there's no running away from what you don't know when you get out of school. And so whether you're sitting into your, you know, in, the, in your office for your own practice or whether you're an associate, what you don't know is glaringly in your face. And that's really uncomfortable and it's scary. And so a lot of young dentists dread going into the office to face the reality of what they don't know, to face the reality that maybe they're not as prepared as they think they are, or the fear of not being as good as they've always believed themselves to be. Um, and especially if they own their own practice, uh, I would say within five years of graduating, if they've decided to leap in and become a practice owner, the dread of the overwhelming dread of needing to understand P&Ls, profit and loss, financials. You know, it's not just the dentistry, but it's all about the business aspect of dentistry as well. Dresses young dentists out to the point where they want to stick their head in the sand and just ignore it. Or they, typical coping methods for a younger dentist is, again, Ignoring the issues to the point where they think that if, if they don't acknowledge them, maybe they'll go away, uh, which rationally they know it's not, but it's, it's the only coping method that they can utilize or tap into in order to survive the day. Another right. one is to, get on, is to get on message boards and try and connect with other dentists but they're typically connecting with other dentists that are also in the same age group, the same phase of life, the same phase of um, dread, stress, overwhelm, financial instability that they are. So in sometimes that coping method by reaching out to your cohort only reinforces exactly what they're feeling. I've got two dentists that um, I've worked with for a year or so that are in this age group and in this situation where they reached out to me because of they dread, they didn't only dread dentistry, but they, they didn't like their life. You know, it, it overflows into the joy and happiness that they have in just daily living. <coughs> and these two docs, even just after a few weeks of talking about the right things and putting together a strategic plan, even within just a few weeks was able to shed some of this dread that they had on a daily basis. Um, now it takes longer than just a few weeks to really fully start loving life again and reaching their full potential. But by talking about the right things, so you ask the question, why? Why do doctors feel this way? So let me kind of talk about that. When I'm working with these gender docs, it typically comes down to five top stressors that these younger docs seem to have. And one of them is time pressures. 
where they feel like there's just not enough time in the day to get everything done. There's not enough time in the day to focus on their dentistry, to learn how to do the business of dentistry, to learn insurance. Uh, there's not enough time in the day to socialize, to, you know, these, these are docs that are in their 20s, maybe early 30s, but they still are living a youthful life, um, wanting to socialize and still have their hobbies and friends and that type of thing. They're often getting married. So they're just launching into what seems to be a very busy time in their life, and there's just not enough time to manage it all. And so then they start dreading all the things on their plate. They don't know where to spend their time or how to prioritize or delegate or um, where even to spend, where's their time best utilized. And then they start Yeah, absolutely, in. absolutely. absolutely. Um, I, I had a question for you. Um, the five stresses, um, what's the number one stressor you see? Is it time? Well, That question I can answer in twofold. Statistically, and by what research study says, uh, the number one stressor and, and dread for dentists across the country when, in research studies, or the top five, I'll give you the top five. The number one stressor is time pressures. Time pressures can be things like uh, not having enough time just to maybe have um, get everything done in a day, but it also might be time pressures where uh, they don't have enough patients on the schedule so they have too much time on their hands, right? They have too much time, they're not seeing enough patients, they're paying their staff, uh, and there's not enough things for their staff to do, so there's too much time. Um, or they have, or they're cramming patients into a schedule and they don't have enough time, they, they're, they're seeing too many patients in one time. So time pressures, and it can go either way. The next stressor are high patient demands. You know, working with patients that demand attention, time, uh, that demand discounts, that demand um, unrealistic expectations of the dentist. Um, the third is, is working with uncooperative patients, such as children or people with special needs or high fear patients uh, that require, you know, where they're, they're lifting your left hand every second or even before you touch them, they're, they're left, raising their left hand or nervous patients, so uncooperative patients. And then the high levels of concentration that dentistry requires, it's very mentally draining. And then the last statistical or studied stressor for dentists are team issues. Uh, not knowing how to be a leader, not knowing how to hire, interview, great loyalty, bonus programs, you know, just um, team drama, gossip, you know, those kinds of things. 
But I will tell you the number one stressor that I see and that I hear from doctors is they don't know how to find balance in their life where they feel like they're living a happy, fulfilling life personally and a rewarding and profitable life at the workplace. They don't know how to create both of those parallel lives. And that's what they stress up the most. They either feel like they don't ever have enough money to live a happy life, or they have to sacrifice making money and being productive to spend time with their family and and have that happiness in their personal life. And that's just not true. But they don't know how to rectify the two dichotomous thoughts themselves. That's what I personally see as the top stressor. Makes makes ton of sense. Um, we talked about dread. We talked about stress, and finally, we talked about boredom. What's what kind of causes boredom for a young dentist? For the young dentist, it's oftentimes they get stuck in a rut with doing the same treatment over and over and over and over again. And then with those young dentists, they financially don't have the means to take a lot of CE courses right out of school to expand their skill sets, whether to do endo or short-term ortho or implants or whatever. And so since they don't have the funds to go and expand what they, the services that they can offer at their practice, they get really bored with just doing the same kind of composite restorative dentistry. And then they get stuck in a rut. And that causes them to question, why did I go into dentistry? What am I doing? <laughs> you know, um, this, this isn't, it doesn't ever seem to be what, dentistry doesn't ever seem to be what they thought it was going to be when they graduated. Right, right. Let's switch gears and let's talk about um, what what are the typical, uh, so one is maybe last 10 years of their career, maybe somebody in mid-career. Do you want to talk talk about somebody in mid-career, maybe 10 years in dentistry or? Absolutely. And so those what, what, are what, do they, what do they dread the most? At this point, most dentists dread that um, they are spending too much time at the practice and not enough time at home. Typically, they're married, they have several kids at this point, and a lot of dentists that I talk to, they feel a heavy burden to fulfill promises to their spouse. of almost a life of luxury, where, you know, they said, you know, if you just, if you stay with me through dental school, um, you know, and we'll sacrifice through dental school, not have any money, live on corn and rice, (laughs) uh, you know, and soup, uh, you know, 
things will be better when I graduate. And then when they graduate, they realize, oh, you know, I'm not making the money that I thought I would be making right out of dental school. And with all the student loans, you know, they look at their spouse and say, if you just stick with me, I promise, you know, five, ten years down the road, we'll finally have the money. We'll finally be able to live a happy life. And so about ten years in, when there are many dentists, feel the, the, the pressure, the enormous pressure of, of fulfilling those promises to their spouse of living the life of a doctor and business owner. And that is not always, that doesn't always come to fruition for every dentist out there. And there are plenty of dentists that still are struggling financially because they maybe didn't grow their practice the way in which um, 10 years in it allows for high profitability. Maybe they chose a, you know, a location. Maybe they have some turnover, whatever the case. But they oftentimes have that dread of going into a practice that isn't profitable, isn't making the money that they thought they would make, and then they dread going home and facing their spouse and telling their, their spouse, no, we can't do this because uh, we still don't have the money. Or they don't tell their spouse, no. They live a life of luxury, but it's all based on credit and borrowing. And then that just increases the financial pressure that many dentists experience because they want to fulfill that promise to their spouse, but the practice isn't making the revenue and the profitability that they that they sought. And so they have the dread of the financial pressures. Right. And dentists at this stage also dread acknowledging reality. They dread uh, going to study clubs. And they dread the question, so how is your practice doing? How are you doing? They dread that question because either they face themselves in having to maybe lie and say, oh, it's going great. Things are great. Having the best year yet. Or tell the truth. Oh, you know, it's not where I thought we would be. <laughs> no. Uh, most dentists don't go to study clubs or message boards or uh, conferences and socialize with other dentists and and really share the realities of their practices. You know, they keep it they keep it secret. They keep it to themselves. Which then that just limits the amount of support and resources that they get to help them really go where they want to go and live how they want to live. It's a perpetual hamster wheel that many dentists find themselves being on. In terms of doctors who are 
you know, maybe 10 years from retirement, what, what, what do they dread the most? Is it that they don't have enough money to retire or is it that they have a practice that maybe that's not sellable? I don't think they're thinking, they're not, typically they're not thinking of that at this point. It's, they dread that they... Shall, shall we look at five years before retirement or do you want to look at 10 years? No, no, no. I think this is fine. You know, 10 years in, I, again, you've got that, you've got the family pressure. Right. And so they, they dread not being able to provide for their family the life of luxury that they've always thought they would be living. And then they dread going into the practice and facing the realities that they're not making enough money. See, with dentists, with anyone, not just the dentist, but it's hard having your reality thrown in your face. And if your reality is you're not making any money, you don't know how to get out of it, you don't know how to start making money, you've got a high staff turnover, you, your bank account is dwindling, you have high credit, uh, high credit card debt, that reality is really hard to face. And it creates that dread from having to go into the, to the practice every day knowing that that's, that that's your reality. Right. I meant, um, you know, the clients who are perhaps close to retirement, what do they dread? Typically around what I experience is five, it's about five years from retirement. All of a sudden, dentists realize um, that they can't keep doing this anymore. Physical ailments, aches, pains uh, run very high. A high percentage of dentists you know their hands, their backs, their necks. Um, it's really causing them problems. So they dread going into work being in pain. They dread definitely doing certain kinds of restorative work because they know that they're going to be physically uncomfortable. And most dentists at this point are considering, you know, surgery, shoulder surgeries, hand surgeries, couple tunnel surgeries, and they actually dread facing the reality of, of, of retirement because they have, a, they have a fear that they're not going to be able to take care of themselves or or even be able to retire. They typically don't know how much money they have in the retirement fund. They haven't planned for retirement very well um, because they've been living so much on day-to-day expenditures. And it's scary to look at the bank accounts or look, in, look at your retirement money to see how much is there. And and then, quite frankly, also just to kind of figure out what you're going to do. So those thoughts about five years from retirement, dread 
the realization that they've been doing something for 20, 30 years and there's not that much to show for it. Right. And and that is very scary and, and a true reality for many dentists out there. So how do you take somebody who kind of is not enjoying what he does, right? Boredom, these all words, you know, dread, stress, and help them, um, you know, enjoy what they're doing and look forward to going to work. Um, what What's the secret? I know you mentioned a strategic plan, but I, I bet that is not going to make me, you know, tap dance to work, like Warren Buffett puts it, you know, or like Jeff Bezos says, you know, he was on vacation, you know, at the nicest, you know, vacation spot in some private island with his family, and he, <laughs> he really enjoyed spending time with his family. But he couldn't wait to get back to work. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, you can imagine, right? The world's richest guy. So when he's going on vacation, you know, he probably has the vacation. <laughs> you know, we can anybody can even dream of, but he can't wait to get back to work. Um, but how do some of these people? you know, really love what they do and are into it while, you know, a lot of dentists that you're speaking to perhaps are, you know, not having fun, not enjoying what they're doing. Um, how do you help them go from, you know, not looking forward to, you know, the work to loving it? There are three Identify step, identifiable steps that we take docs through. But this is something that everyone, everyone listening who has any kind of stress, these are the three steps that anyone needs to go through in order to get from that dread, stressful place to live in paradise, as you were saying. <laughs> Uh, the first thing people have to do is you have to. I, we, we have a three-step program here at JB Partners, and it's and it's called No Assess Reduce Your Stress. And by that little uh, statement, what we mean by that is the first thing you need to know is you need to know the kind of stress you're experiencing. There are three types of stress that individuals experience. Situational, psychological, and physiological. Those are the three kinds of stress. And with each of those three kinds of stress, there are very specific kinds of coping methods that address each of those kinds of stress. Where people fail at reducing their stress, because stress is, the World Health Organization says that stress burnout is the number one pandemic of our of, of our time that but where people fail to reduce their stress is that they are experiencing one kind of stress but they use a coping method that does not that is not right for that kind of stress that they're experiencing and i use this an analogy where it's like periodontal disease, where when a dentist says to a patient, 
you have periodontal disease and you need standing work cleaning and you know you need to go through this perio maintenance and this is how we're going to control your periodontal disease and and get, and make your gums healthy again but the patient only wants a coating the patient doesn't want to go through the scaling work cleaning and, and doing what they need to do in order to treat their periodontal disease, which is below the gums. They only want to do things that are above the surface. That is the wrong solution for their condition. So dentists first need to identify, and we help them identify what kind of stress they're under. What are these three kinds of stress? And then we help them assess how stressed are they? And we have several assessments, and we have them on our website, and we have additional assessments that we take clients through. And the reason that it's important to assess your level of stress is so that we then can determine how many coping methods is it going to take to reduce the specific kind of stress you're under. Does that all make sense? Yes. So once an individual knows, they know their stress. Know, assess, reduce your stress. So they know their stress. They know what kind of stress they're under. We then assess their stress by identifying their specific stress triggers. And then what are the signs and symptoms of their stress? How is their body responding? Um, emotionally, mentally, physiologically. Then the third step is to finally reduce your stress. You need to choose coping methods, the right and appropriate coping methods to address the kind of stress and the level of stress an individual has. For example, and this is very common with dentists, um, many dentists will go to the gym and work out. Dentists actually, both men and women, have an equal proportion of utilizing exercise as a coping method to reduce stress. Going and working out, however, whether it be going to the gym or exercising outside of the gym, although it has excellent uh, physiological and biological results, it is not the right coping method for mental strain and stress. It's not going to help with the psychological stress. It's the wrong coping method for psychological stress. Because exercise doesn't change the way you think. Exercise just helps you forget what you're thinking. <laughs> right. So that's how we uniquely help doctors go from, we have to acknowledge, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So we have to acknowledge the kind of stress they have, the kind of stress triggers they have. We have to acknowledge how much stress they're under. And then and only then when we do those things, can we put together a coping method plan to address their stress. And we here at JV Partners, have 
oh, I don't even know, a thousand different ways for people to to reduce their stress. Right. But reducing the stress is not enough, right? I mean, just it's like you said, exercise doesn't do anything. You're still stressed. It just makes you forget about it. But exactly. get to a point where they are dancing to work. It's not just about stress. It's about, you know, you know, like changing everything so you don't have stress in the first place. You're absolutely right. And that goes to really what the definition of stress is. Most people, when you ask them to define stress, they, they have no idea where to even to begin how to define it. One of the reasons is because there is no universal definition of stress. No medical provider, no online dictionary, no uh, psychological association. There is no singular definition of stress. There is more, there are two more widely accepted definitions of stress, but there is no universal definition of stress. And that makes it a challenge when dentists are trying to Google or research or read on how to reduce stress. Because there's nothing universal about it. But you, what we work on with dentists is to change the way they perceive the world. To change the way they perceive and think about their current situation. We work with them from the inside out so that instead of perceiving a threat or perceiving that they're stuck, that they don't have choice, that they have to do things, instead of perceiving things that way, we help them identify opportunities we help them see that they're not stuck and that they have choice and to think outside of the box. Right, right. Can you give me an example of somebody who you actually took from a very high dread stress to, um, you know, or is that impossible to do in like 10 minutes or five minutes to like tap dancing to work and loving it? We have, we are very lucky here at JD Partners. We have many clients that have called us on the brink of, quite frankly, depression and suicide and burnout and have publicly shared their stories on our website um, and how they do go from that red stressed place to just loving life again. Um, to pick one would be, would be hard. Um, But I do have one client that I worked with. I do have one client that I started working with about four or five years ago. 
And when he called me, he was very much, I, I do have a client that I started working with about four or five years ago who when he called me, um, he was in, a, in that suicidal, depressed state. And it took time. It took about a year for him and I to talk weekly. I talk, I talk over the phone or through video conferencing with clients every week or more if necessary on challenging his perception of life and just taking him through all the things that he resented about his life or resented about dentistry, um, his fears. You know, he had a practice for 30, 32, maybe 30 years at the time when he first called me that he wanted to sell and he didn't think it would be worth a dime, a penny. And here he did spend 30 years going to the same practice, working with the same people, with the same patient, thinking this was going to be his nest egg, and he wasn't making any money, and it wasn't going to be worth anything and provide him what he wanted when he was to sell it. Anyway, over the year that he and I talked, he was able to go from not seeing options for him, just he really felt stuck. He felt like he didn't have any choice, to making a strategic plan of how to work in his practice so it was profitable, to identifying his stressors and working on threading in coping methods that helped alleviate dread and stress. And specifically for him, it was doing some meditation and prayer. Meditation and prayer are excellent uh, coping methods for people who, for dentists who have, quite frankly, don't have a lot of hope. Um, don't, and I'm not talking about, they don't have a lot of faith. And I'm not talking about faith as in religious faith. I'm talking about faith in themselves, faith that things will work out, um, hopefulness type thing. So for him, it was meditation and prayer. It was changing his behaviors. So threading in more laughter. Uh, it was watching funny stories and comedies and staying away from the news. It was uh, getting a, a joke of the day app on his phone. So every morning he started with a joke. Laughter is one of the top uh, five coping methods of all time that I that address the three types of stress people are under. 
the number one coping method that researchers have um, identified is breathing. And so I really worked hard with this doctor. And I know, again, it sounds silly. We, we breathe all the time. <laughs> but it's an, it's an intentional breathing. It's a calming breathing. And a lot of times with dentists, they actually don't breathe the right way, especially when they're doing restorative work. Because they uh, constrict their diaphragm because they are hunched over. And so that's why a lot of dentists, when they're doing restorative work, they have a tendency to all of a sudden, uh, maybe your listeners will see themselves doing this now, but they have a tendency to every, once, every few minutes probably um, naturally sit up tall and take a big deep breath, cleansing breath when they're doing restorative work. And the reason they're doing that is because their body isn't getting enough oxygen. So breathing, laughter, meditation, or prayer, um, these were key elements for him to go from that place of dread and feeling stuck to allowing him to see the opportunities that he really has. See, most dentists, the stress and the, and the dread, they stop them from being in action. They stop them from doing things. You know, they say to themselves, well, why should I even bother uh, going to this conference? It's not going to make a difference. Or why should I even bother hiring a consultant? It doesn't, you know, no one can help me. It is what it is, right? So they, when people feel stuck, they don't take action. And so it's also about talking in verbs. See, verbs are the action words. And so with this client, um, every day, every week, he and I talked about a verb. What is his verb? Because when you know what your verb is, then you are taking action. When people take action, that's, again, where they feel hopeful. Right. So these, these are just some of the things. That we worked on with him, and now, four or five years later, I'm actually meeting with him this Friday. I, he sold his practice. He sold it for more than he ever could imagine. He uh, is still working at the practice, um, doing specialty services, and I'm actually having dinner with him on Friday evening. And because he is traveling around the country with his wife, he's partially retired, he loves life, and um, so the work that he and I did together uh, not only changed his situation then, but it still continues today. That's an amazing success story. Um... And and it comes down to simple things like, you know, intentional breathing and lots of other things you, I guess you have learned over the years. It does. And it, it's, it's those intentional things that seem simple, which is why when dentists feel those dreads 
and, and heavy pressures and stress. <clears throat> they think or they believe that they need a massive intervention <laughs> uh, to, to fix their stress. When that is not the case, uh, it's, it's about, I love the word that you just used, it's about in, an intentional plan. And at our website, we've got lots and lots of free resources on how dentists can avoid the dredge, reduce their stress, um, you know, be more, whether that be, you know, being more profitable or having more leadership or whatever it is. We have lots of free resources at our website. That's amazing. Can you tell us your website? And uh, if I want to get a hold of you, how would I go about getting a hold of you? Absolutely. Our website is www.jenbutlerpartners.com. And if you want to get a hold of me, my I give out my cell phone number because, again, especially those dentists that are struggling, I want them to have someone that they can call at any time. Um, so my cell phone number is 623-776-6715. And my email address is jen, J-E-N, at jenbutlerpartners.com. And if any of your listeners know of a dentist struggling um, with the dread, with stress, and or if they're concerned about others, or if they're concerned about themselves, please give them our contact information. Absolutely. We'll include all your contact information in the show notes as well. And um, so when they talk to you, is that complimentary, uh, the first conversation, or how does it work? Oh, absolutely. No, we don't, we don't, we don't charge uh, unless people hire us um, for services. No. Anyone can call us and get tools and resources. I talk to doctors all the time um, without any kind of charging to get them through moments, to point them in the right direction. Um, our, our goal here at JB Partners is to provide dentists that, again, are in that stress, burnout, financially struggling, just a place and a resource that they can call. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Jen. I really appreciate talking to you today. And um, I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of your, you know, nuggets of wisdom and your 10 years of experience. And I think you being a coach, I think you are able to um, connect to them on a human level and you're able to, uh, you know, work on those things intentionally that starts changing their life. So, uh, and I think the story you shared with us also is very powerful. I mean, with this dentist who's, enjoying life he was traveling around the country and uh, he was able to sell his practice so i mean that's awesome so thank you for what yeah. you're doing and uh, i really uh, look forward to um, you know talking to you again and uh, wish you the very best thank you i look forward to talking to you as well and uh, for all of our listeners thank you for listening to another episode of the growing dentist podcast show